Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. We bless and exalt your name. We worship and magnify you because you're such a precious and a loving Father. We thank you for the grace that you've given and the love you have extended. We thank you for this moment. That God understanding will be granted unto us. My listeners should be able, God of glory, to receive that transformation of via the world. Or produce change necessary for the life that you've ordained for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so we, we continue with uh, our study on the genealogy of Christ, and this is going to be part number six. I just hope that you are following and that you're taking time on your own to study, listening to the tapes all over again and again so that you can understand exactly what the Spirit is communicating. We said it before in Genesis 5, verse number 1. We have the generation of Adam, and mighty 1, verse 1, we have the generation of Jesus Christ. Is that okay? Right. So these are the two books and genealogy that we're looking at. But so far we have come to the place of talking about the judgment uh, in relation to what you call the white throne judgment. Hallelujah. Amen. So again, we look at that, and so let's quickly look at Revelation 20, uh, verse 11, and then we'll look at verse number 12. That's where we're dealing with. And so, the Bible says, I saw a great white throne, and with him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of these th- those things which were written in the books according to their works. Amen? Right. Now, let me say something about judgment. Judgment is um, a very, how do I put it, God's strange work. It's a strange instrument in the hand of God when we talk about judgment. Um, God uses this as his tool in the redemptive and restorative process that is ongoing. It's a tool in the hands of God. That's why it's a strange work. Uh, When we look at the issue of judgment, what like I always said, commonly comes to mind is the issue of condemnation and destruction, but a critical look at the word judgment and the processes that have been followed in the scripture is redemptive and restorative. Praise God. It's man that makes it the end, but it's always a means to an end. Never an end itself. Judgment is never an end itself. It's a means to an end. 
the critical look of the scriptures revealed up to you. No matter an unbeliever, how an unbeliever is dealt with, whether he dies as a result of his sin or by the direct judgment of God, whether he is cast into hell or turned into the lake of fire, that is not the end of his life. And this is a very serious issue. And, and it's difficult for one to sometimes say it because of the perception that the generality of the Christian body have come to believe as touching the issue of the world judgment. It's a critical thing. Uh, somebody asked me a few weeks ago, what have you got to say about that? Uh, whatever you call a second chance, do we have a God, a God of second chance? You know, some, that's the question he asked me. Well, I don't want to say it now, but scripture will prove that to you if you take time to go and study. Because I find that even when Nehemiah was building, and those who came in are searching what the priest called them up, even the book of First Chronicles, you find that those who do not partake of the first place, even numbers, uh, Moses asked a question, there were people who could not partake of the Passover, and there they came to tell Moses, these people did not partake of the Passover, so what have you got to say about that? Moses said, just keep there, let me go and ask God a question. Moses went to find out from God. God said, yes, allow them to go and take the Passover. What did you call that? Does that look like a God of second chance? Because Passover means salvation. Am I right? Good. The Bible said they were defiled, so they did not partake of the Passover. And then the next thing God said, you let them go and have the Passover. It looks to me like a God of second chance. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you still with me? Alright, but that's another story. But I'm trying to say judgment is not the end in itself. Judgment is restorative, judgment is redemptive. And that's what we must understand. And I know, like I said, it's going to be a very hard statement for so many, many to accept or believe into. But God will stand and remain faithful to his word. And every man is going to be a liar. Praise God. Yeah, I don't know if we'll get there, but when we get to the place, we'll be able to see. Uh, I tried to share that with my wife a few weeks ago. When we get there, we'll discuss that. So, let's just move on. Um, like we said before, John chapter 5, 28, Jesus said, Marvel not that this, for the hour is coming, and the which all that are in the grave shall hear the voice, hear his voice, and shall come forth. They that have done good, that's believers now, unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil, unto the resurrection of damnation, which means unbelievers. Is that okay? These are two categories of people. But the point is, all of them are resurrected. One is resurrecting unto life, the other is resurrecting unto judgment or condemnation. Did you see that? Why? In Ecclesiastes 12 verse 7, the Bible tells us that when a man dies, the flesh or the body goes to the dust or the dust goes to the earth and the spirit goes back to God who gave it. Is that okay? But we know that spirit don't die. So if spirit don't die and there's resurrection for everybody, <laughs> Whether believer or unbeliever, how then are they going to face the judgment? Except they're going to take up another body. So there's a body of condemnation and there's a body of life, if you will. Praise the Lord. Because, like I said, spirit don't die. Is that okay? All right. And Jesus said there has to be a resurrection for every man, meaning the spirit will need the body 
to appear in a judgment form. So the word now declares to us when we look at 1 Corinthians 15. Let's look at it from a very simple translation. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 35 to 39. In other words, I'm trying to say, when someone dies, what happened? Let's look at the New Living Translation from 36 to 39, the book of First Corinthians. Um, go to verse 35. Let me see. Uh, that's 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 uh, okay. Yeah. Let's start from 35. Now I'm trying to say, when somebody dies, something happens, like the scripture is trying to analyze to us. Is that okay? First thing is, the dust will go to the dust, or the flesh will go to the dust, but the spirit goes back to God who gave it. Now, remember Jesus prayed a prayer. Into the hand I commend my spirit. How I many of you remember that? Very good. So the spirit has to go to God. Now, if you are not a believer, and your spirit is more united with the spirit of Christ, you don't have access to the presence of God instantly. That means you must be in another realm, but then you have to exist in the body, because you have to resurrect in that body, if you will, for the things that were done in your body to be made manifest because you have to be judged by the things that are done in your body. That's what the book tells us in Revelation chapter 20. Hallelujah. So let's ask this question because somebody wants me to ask the same question and said, David, what are you teaching and what, what really happens when a man dies? What happens? Nobody is in the cemetery. That's simple. There is nobody in the cemetery. Hallelujah. And when the Bible says, for instance, the sea gave up the dead, it's not talking about Atlantic Ocean or River Niger or Indian Ocean. It's not talking about that. The sea is not talking about H2O. The sea speaks of multitude of people who don't know God. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Let, let me show you this. Go with me to Revelation chapter 17. Look at verse 15 for me. Revelation 17 verse 1. Let's try to do that and then go to verse 15. Revelation 17 uh, verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vows and talked with me saying unto me come hither and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great hall that seated upon many waters. What is many waters? The body of many waters speak of sea, isn't it? Alright. So now let's go to verse 17. And he said unto me the water with that saw it, where the horse seated, are what? Peoples and multitude and nations are what? Tongues. That's what C stands for. Story is not talking about Atlantic Ocean. It's not talking about H2O. If people just read this Bible, then I don't know what happened. They are too, they, they have a problem because they are completely, what I would call literalists. The literalists are actually the greatest problem we have within the body of Christ. You see, like I asked somebody a question a few days ago. You, you can't say, oh, I believe everything the scripture says. And somebody even told me that last week. I'm a literalist. I just take the Bible the way it is. Okay. Now we know that Revelation chapter 5, God talks about Jesus to be the Lamb of God that opened the book. That means you are going to see Jesus as an animal. Because you're a literalist. You have to take it that way. That Jesus will be walking on four legs. Is that okay? No, that's, that's, that's the craziest thing I can ever imagine. They forgot that the book is written in symbols. They are what pictures. Is that okay? Okay, let me show you. I'm talking about the sea. Go with me to Jude. 
Let's look at verse 10. Jude verse 10. I'm talking about the sea gave up the dead now. Jude verse 10. Okay, go back a little bit. Let's take it from verse number 8. Alright. Likewise also, these feet, the dreamers, the fire, the flare, the spies, and dominion, I mean, uh, yes, dominion, and speak evil of dignitaries. And then the next thing says, Yet Michael and the archangel, which can tell what the devil depends about the body of Moses, does not bring accusing or bring does not bring accuse him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. And the verse 10 says, But these speak evil. Right? Now, maybe you need to go a little bit up and you'll be able to see. Let's go to verse 7. I need you to catch who are these people. Even Sodom and Gomorrah. Go to verse 8. Let's look at that. Verse 8. Verse 8. Likewise, also this treaty. Oh. <laughs> okay. Actually, these people talking about, you can go to verse 9 now, verse 10 again. They are actually talking about Balaam, Danbreeze, all of those people. Okay. But they speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they knew naturally are robust, in those things they corrupt themselves. Verse 11. And the Bible now says, Ho unto them, mine. For they have gone in the way of who? Cain. Cain killed them all. And ran greedily after the arrow of Balaam for a word, the prophet, and perished in the gain saying of Corey. Corey, they stood against, right. Okay. What's the next thing you find that? He said, these are spotting your feast of charity, love feast, when you come together as a church. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. What is that? Clouds they are without water, carried about of wings, trees, whose fruit withereth without fruit, Twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Verse 13 says, Raging waves of what? Of the sea. For me now their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved in the blackness of darkness forever. So there's a point I want you to see there. When we say the sea give up the dead, we're not talking about the Atlantic Ocean. We're talking about people who do not have the life of God. Did you see that? Praise God. So now, uh, just like they have told us before, so if you think about the sea, if you say the sea giving up the dead, what about the people that died and maybe they were not buried and uh, uh, fish have ate up part of the body? What's going to happen? They collect all the remnants from those fishes and then they become human beings. Huh. Hallelujah. Alright, so go back again to First Corinthians 15 now. Uh, let's deal with it. Verse, um, oh, what do we say? We're starting from 35, right? Go to verse 35 and New Living Translation. Let me show you what happens. But someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What's the next thing? What a foolish question. I like that. When you put a seed in the ground, it hasn't grown into a plant unless it dies first. What's the next thing? What you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bad seed of wheat or whatever you're planting. What's the next thing? Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grow from each kind of seed. And I want you to know that. Did you get that? All right. So what's the next thing? 
Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh, one kind for human, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. Next thing says, there are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of all the earthly bodies. And so when you read that, you begin to talk about celestial body and terrestrial body, all of those things. Is that okay? But the point I want you to know here is this. God gave the seed his own kinds of body. In other words, if you plant a mango tree or a mango seed, you are going to see a mango tree when it grows up. You plant uh, wheat, whatever seed you plant will always come with its own kind of body. In other words now, you plant the seed by implication, when you die, it's like you're planted now. What happens to the spirit? Is that God have to give that particular spirit, the kind of body that suits that spirit? So, typical example is, we can talk about Moses, we can talk about Elijah, whatever the case may be, right? They were able to come out of the other spirit because they have a glorified body. I don't know if you're getting that. Yeah. Jesus walked out of the grave with a glorified body. So when you die, the body that you receive is the body that fit into the spirit that was in your spirit, which is the seed of Christ that is in your spirit. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So the kind of body that Jesus had when he come when he came out of the grave, that is the body you're going to put on when you die. And you are not dying and staying there until one day that trumpet begins to sound. No. You die, you move on. You take up another body. Now, make you understand, if you are not a believer, you can take a body and be able to walk out and do stuff. That's why it is called prison. I'll explain that. In Second Peter, I'll be able to explain that to you. But let's first pick this. Are you getting that? So, the unbeliever will receive a body. The body of condemnation. John chapter 5 now. The believer will receive a glorified body. Because the seed in the believer is the spirit or the seed of who? Of Christ. Are you getting that? Okay. So let's move on. Now the excess of this is you got in this body so that you can be able to reveal what was in you. Remember the judgment is after the works that were done in your body. Are you getting that? Praise the Lord. Alright. So when a man drops the flesh, the spirit is clothed with another body. Uh, and that depends on the kind of spirit you were out or you had when you were alive. This is why it's so vitally important to be born of the spirit of Christ. Praise the Lord. So that you can be clothed with what? A glorified body. The very type he had when he came out of the grave. If you don't put on that kind of body, then you're going to put on a body of condemnation. Praise the Lord. As a matter of fact, Paul called this body our house from heaven. You can find that in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and just look at verse 3. Or you, you can take it again from the NIT. Let's look at from verse 1. First Corinthians 5, I mean Second Corinthians 5 from verse number 1. For we know that when now I want, okay, verse 1. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven 
an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Did you get that? Praise the living God. What's the next thing? He said, we grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. You clothe in this body, you clothe in your spirit with new bodies, which is called our heavenly body. What's the next thing? He said, for we will not put on, for when we put on heavenly bodies, we will not be spirit without bodies. Did you get that? We will not be spirit without bodies. And that's very important. Hallelujah. Are you following it? Praise God. Look at verse 3. Not verse 3 very well. We will not be spirit without bodies. Okay. Look at verse 4. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. This is not immortality. Without you going through the grave, you can put on a new body. That's what he's saying. We are not saying we want to die. Paul was saying, I don't feel I have to die before I put on this new body. Praise God. Verse 5. What do you get in verse 5? God himself has prepared for us this. For this. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us what? The Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a guarantee that we're going to put on what? A glorified body, which is called the body from heaven. So when you drop the flesh, you receive another body. You are not going to exist as spirit without bodies. No. You can appear in a tangible body from the spirit realm. Hallelujah. Are we there? Look at Philippians 1 verse 23. Let me show you. Philippians 1 23. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which will be better which be far better for me. Right? Um, I think I don't know how to put this. Now, if you go back, look at verse 22. So I, I give you what Paul is trying to say here. But if I live in the flesh, this is for, your, for the fruit of my labor, yet without as you choose, I will not. In other words, I don't know what to choose. Verse 23 says, For I am in a, a, a straight between two, having a desire to depart, and to be with Christ, which is far better. You know, I was trying to talk to the Philippian church. I long to go away. I, I feel like I need to go away and be with Christ. Now, what I want you to pick out here is go and be with. He didn't say he was going to die and stay in the cemetery until one judgment day. I don't know if you're getting the point. To depart and to be with is instant. By implication, if I drop this flesh, I'll take up another body and I'm with Christ, just like he is in a glorified body. You get what I'm trying to say? I'm trying to use this term to make you see that there is nobody in the cemetery. Anybody that dies, receive another body. 
either a glorified body, which is our clothing from heaven, or the body of condemnation, because he had not the seed of Christ. Is that okay? Yeah. Praise the Lord. So Paul proved this fact that you don't die or translate into the great beyond and remain in the cemetery. That's what we just read here. To wait for some years before um, being with the Lord or meeting with the Lord. No, you don't. You take up a body and move on in the spirit realm depending on the type of body that you are putting on or you are going to be putting on. Praise the Lord. Now let me show you a typical story here. I will tell you something about what I'm saying. First Peter chapter 3. Let's look at verse 18. And I think I would like us to read this from a simple translation as well. If you have the living Bible, fine. All we can still go with the NLT. Go with me with the NLT. Praise God. Christ above our sins. Once for all time. He never sinned. But he died for sinners. To bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death. But he was released. I mean, he was raised to life in the spirit. Please follow this. And this said me very strong. Because recently, somebody was posting and said, Jesus died the death of sinners. And that is very, very erroneous. I've explained that to you here. Jesus never died the death of sinners. He took the penalty of sinners. He was not a sinner. Is that okay? Right. He took the punishment of sinners. But he was not a sinner. He was made sin for all who knew no sin. That's what the Bible says. Is that okay? Right. Okay. So, look at the next verse. So he went and preached to the spirit in prison. Follow this story. What's the next thing? Those who disobeyed God long ago, when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat, only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. Did you get that? Did you follow this story? When Jesus died, he went to preach to those in spirit. Now the question is this. What or who were they or what kind of life were they? I'm not going to put this question. But now that tells you that they were existing but they were locked up. For instance, you have the, what do you call it, Reformation or Recreational Center, what, what do you call it now? Prison is prison, but they are trying to give the name. What is it you call it now? Uh-huh. Thank you. Uh, it's a prison. It's a simple thing. All those Reformation or Recreational, it, it's prison, right? You don't have access. You're locked up. Do you understand that? When you are in prison, that means you don't have liberty. You don't have freedom. You can't move. That's what it means. So, those who are in prison, it means they have a body, but they can't express themselves. They are locked up. Praise the Lord. Jesus went to preach to them. Why did he preach to them? And what happened when he preached to them? That's my question. Go to the book of... Uh, uh, in other words, I want you to see something here. What was the outcome of disobedience in the days of who? Of Noah. They died. That was the judgment they got. Is that okay? Now go with me to First Peter chapter 4. Let's pick up the story from there. Take it from verse 3. You have heard enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy their immorality and lust. 
They are feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. You have all of that. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. Verse 5 says, But remember that they will have to face God, who will judge everyone, both the living and the dead. So the dead face judgment. Okay, look at that. Look at verse 6. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God where? In the spirit. Now, these same people are the people that died in the days of Noah. Did you get that? These same people that died in the days of Noah. In fact, the Living Bible has a better place. This is what the reason the Living Bible. Verse 6. That is why the good news was preached even to those who were dead, killed by the flood. So that although their bodies were punished with death, they could still live in their spirit as God lives. I don't know if you got that in God's second chance. I don't know. Praise the living God. Did you see it there? It's right there in your Bible. Praise the Lord. So those who were killed in the days of Noah by reason of this judgment came back to life. I mean to start living as God lives in the spirit world. Amen? Praise God. And now, like I said, this was very difficult for the average Christian to believe in. Hallelujah. Very difficult for the average Christian to believe in. But that's what the Bible says. So it's either you are believing what God says in this world, or you can believe in what religion teaches you as touching what God is doing. To be in prison in this instance, it's important you understand it, is not to have freedom of movement in the spirit world. Like you have, as I mentioned before, the like of Moses and Elijah. They have access. They break out of the spirit realm. They put on flesh, glorify body, and they walked out and were able to talk to people. We find the picture of the three men that came to visit Abraham in Genesis chapter 18. Spirit being walked out and they were seen. Not just seen, they ate with Abraham. I don't know if you're following what I'm saying. Right. But you see, the kind of body with which these people appear is not your natural kind of body. It's a body of glory. Now remember, Jesus, even after resurrection, ate fish with the disciples. I mean, if you remember that. Good. The difference is, it's not what you eat that subsists you. It's the spirit that subsists you. You want to eat, fine. If you don't want to eat, no problem. But that's the kind of life that God ultimately intends man to live on. When you come to the fullness of time, you are going to live on this earth not depending on natural food. You depend on the spirit to live. Are you following what I'm saying? And that's exactly what is going to end up with. That is what man is coming on. Praise the Lord. Okay, so this is exactly what I'm talking about. We have to understand this, that there is a whole wall of activity in the spirit realm. 
right about us, even as we are in fellowship right now, we have people who are here that you don't see. They are called men with glorified body or celestial body. But we are in a terrestrial body. Now if you are in a celestial body, you can see people, but you don't see them. You will see them. You don't see them, but they see you. I remember I gave you a story of what happened about, uh, I think, four years ago now. In John Kramer, four or five years. Remember the story? But there about when I had a meeting in the town hall, right? And there was this pastor that died a couple of years back, around 1998. The pastor died. I know him very well. His name was Dapa. And then I was ministering in the town hall, and then I finished Jake, Jake four. I finished the meeting. I was running up the meeting, and I wanted to pray for people. And yeah, I was seeing this man standing and looking at me, and I was speaking to the next. Man interpreting for me. Who knows him too? And I told him, Dapa is standing here. He was just looking like us. I'm seeing Dapa standing here. You know, now he wasn't saying anything to me, but he was just looking straight at me. So the next thing what happened was, okay, I started praying after I made a statement. I said, let's pray. So as we were praying, again I saw an image appear before me, a figure. And I find that this guy, I wouldn't say the top. From the neck up, I wouldn't say, but from on the neck down, he was on a garment made up of red, white, and yellow. You know, just like our celestial church, but this church, they use red, white, yellow as their garment. Right. So, I was just seeing that. So, I was telling the people, I said, well, I'm seeing this kind of figure standing before me right now. I don't know what this standing for. I can't see the, the neck, I can't see the head, I can't see the face, but from the neck down, I can see he's standing before me. And I describe everything I was seeing. All of a sudden, somebody ran out of the hall, of the hall, and in five minutes out or so, they came back. And this guy appeared, the very dress I was seeing, white, red, yellow garment, and guess what? It was the senior son of Dapa that I was seeing. So what Dapa was trying to tell me was, hey David, pray for my son, don't let him come and join me now. In other words, pray against the spirit of death. That was it. But in the meeting, he was there with us. Not everybody saw him, but I saw him. And this man have died from about 1998 or thereabout. You see what I mean? So that's why it talks about Hebrew chapter 12. We are compassed about, we so grace the cloud of witnesses, chapter 11. And I went to verse 22, 23. He said, we've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, with the spirit of just my world made perfect. The saints of old, everyone have died before, they are all alive. And everyone that have died in Christ, they are all alive. They can visit you. Sometimes you see them, you think they are angels. And this is why when they come to you, sometimes they even come in for help. Those will not come to the place of maturity. Some come to deliver messages to you. We are living in this church, which is the Mount Zion. God is here. Jesus is here. The spirit of the saints is here. We are all here. Angels are all around us. These are the people that makes up the Mount Zion, the church of the living God. Are you following what I'm talking about? Right. And so, you, if you drop the flesh, you can walk out of the spirit. You are not in prison like those in the days of Noah. You get the difference now. Why? Because you have the spirit of Christ, and so you receive a glorified body. You have access to, I mean, to approach and talk to people. You can come out of the spirit realm. This is not occultism. This is not occultic. This is reality. Praise God. Have you had people say, 
Jesus appeared to me and talked to me. Have you heard that? Where did he come from? From the realm of spirit. You went in sin and he made you so literally somebody who can appear and talk to you. Sometimes if he doesn't want you to recognize him as Jesus, based on your perception of what you have seen in magazines, he can just appear to you and you think he's an angel. Think about Jesus talking to you. And the sense of what we are really come to a place of maturity. Oh, how many understand? Revelation 22, we have this man that interpreted everything to John on the island of Patmos. And John now wanted to worship him. You know what he said? Say, don't do that. I'm a servant like you, one of the prophets. Worship God. What's that supposed to mean? It means while he was alive, he was a prophet. And he moved into the spirit, he's still doing the ministry of being a prophet. He came out to talk to John and interpret the book of Revelation to John. The church can't see this. All we know is you die is finished. You wait for the judgment day when the trumpets begin to sound. Pa, 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 pa. Seven trumpets flying from the sky. And the next thing, the grave open, poop, and people just move up. And then we're going to hang up in the sky there for another seven years. And then the Antichrist will be down here killing all the people, beating them, slapping them, you know, you understand that? Yeah, after that, we float down again. <laughs> Praise God. Very childish. You know, it's very good for Hollywood and Bollywood and Nollywood, Ghana wood. And remember, all of these things are wood. They are not good. <laughs> they are not permanent stuff. They are Nollywood, Hollywood, Bollywood. Everything is wood. You see what I mean? Hallelujah. So we are compassed about with this great cloud of witnesses. This is the simple truth. And all these people are all around us. They're all around us. They're all around us. Praise God, somebody. Whew. Now let me show you this and then we'll close for tonight. Again, we looked that last week. I think we talked about that. The effect, the outcome of God's judgment. Again, uh, let's look at the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 26. We'll look at uh, 8 and 9. 8 and 9. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 8 and 9. Let's look at that. Isaiah 26, 8 and 9. Yea, in the way of thy judgment, O Lord, have we waited for thee? I like that. We are waiting <laughs> for God's judgment. So in the first place, the judgment of God is not what we are supposed to distress or something to make us afraid. No, no, no. Those who understand God, those who will live in the life that God has ordained for them to live, we ask him for God's judgment to come. Now look at the next thing. No, no, no. I'm not finished with that. Verse number 8. Yea, in the way of the judgment, O Lord, have we waited for thee. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee a desire. What's the next thing? Verse number 9. With my soul have I desired thee. In the night, yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, what happened? The inhabitants of the world will do what? Will learn righteousness. They will learn righteousness. You see that? So, the outcome of God's judgment is what? Righteousness. This is what people don't see. 
the outcome. That's why I say God's judgment are redemptive and they are restorative. They restore. Hmm? As we move, I'll be able to show you. When we start talking about judging the things that are, you know, because they're the books who open and they are judged every man according to the thing which have done in the body. When we get there, I'll be able to explain to you better. Hallelujah. Because we must all appear before who? The judgment of Christ. When he says we must all appear, he doesn't say one day. It's just we must all. In other words, everybody must partake of God's judgment. But he didn't say everybody must be, it had to happen one day. The Bible didn't say that. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? So, next week, I'm going to be sharing this with you. You can read it. Acts 17, verse 30 and 31. Acts 17, 30 and 31. And this is what it says. At the time of this ignorance, God wintered. But now commanded all men everywhere to repent. Look at the next thing. Because he has appointed a day in the queen to judge the world in what? In righteousness. By that man whom he has ordained, wherefore he had given assurance unto all men in that he had raised him from the dead. What is the assurance? Assurance to all men. That is, all men have been given that assurance of what they will also partake in. Because when the judgment are in the air, the inhabitants of the world will do what? Well, righteousness. So all men will partake of the same glory that he already manifested. What is the assurance? Because he rose from the grave. And what we'll do with that fully next week. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right. Summarily, when you die, your spirit receives another body. You're clothed upon with another body. We are not going to be spirits without bodies. If that is the only thing you take home for tonight, fine. We are not going to be spirit without body. Praise the living God. When a man dies, he takes up another body. God gives that body the kind of body that he desired or required because if your spirit is not united with the spirit of God, I mean of Christ, then you are going to receive a body of condemnation, not the body of glory. But once you have received the spirit of Christ within your spirit, when you drop the flesh, you have assurance of receiving the body of glory. And that body of glory, you can express yourself. You are free to express yourself. You can break out of the spirit realm if you will. Walk on this earth, make manifest the goodness of God. You can literally move to places and preach and talk to people who don't even know you in certain regions. Hallelujah. And this is a different dimension. But I'm saying, at that level, you're manifesting as truly a child of God, which made it the image and likeness of who? Of God. You're coming out. You can do that. Hallelujah. It's not mysticism. This is a clear scriptural doctrine that I'm sharing with you. But a lot of people don't see this. They think when you die, you just hang on there in the cemetery, waiting for one day when their own trumpet sounds and all of those things begin to happen the left behind thing all of those kind of crazy teaching that dispensationalism have injected into our spirit so that we don't see who God is and know exactly what it's supposed to be hallelujah I used to tell people you see, when, you, when we grow into that place where we're truly children of God not all the things we're doing 
Watch this. You see, here comes in time the one that Jesus said is the son of God and they say, you're making yourself God, right? And then also they wanted to kill him. And they took him to a cliff to push him down. You remember that? What, what happened? The Bible said he walked away between them. How did that happen? Oh, it means Jesus was a magician. But as a kind of thing, hallelujah, that's a kind of spirit God intended his children to live by. At the fullness of time, that's the kind of life we're supposed to live. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Right. You put on a glorified body, you can move out in of the spirit realm. You interface with the spirit realm at will. Depending, if you're coming out from messages, you can literally come out. You can go to other cities, do meetings, preach to people who doesn't know you in certain region. You literally can do that. And sometimes maybe they can begin to think that's, that's how to do with angel. But I want to tell you something. There's a great job left for us to do, even when you drop the flesh. We have ministry after now. Praise the living God. Everything doesn't end with the grave. No. Remember, I've only said this. What happened to Jeremiah? The Bible tells me, in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse number 5. Before I formed thee, your mother's womb, I knew you, and I called you as a prophet. Is that okay? So what's the meaning of that? That means Jeremiah was a prophet in the realm of spirit before he came here. As he continues. So when he dropped the flag, what do you think was going to happen? He end up there? No, no, no. He moves back and continues with his ministry. That's the grace God has given to him. That is his life. Hallelujah. Are you following me? Right. So, friends, listen. You got to take Christ's spirit serious. You got to go more of God's spirit really embedded and united with your spirit. Like 1 Corinthians 6, 17, we say, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. There's a need for you to come to that understanding that you are one with the Lord. And if you are one with the Lord, when you drop the flesh, your body, you receive your heart, which is from heaven. Again, we are not going to die and live like spirit without bodies. We're going to put on bodies. Praise the living God. And that body is the body of glory. Then the mind have not known God, we put on the body of condemnation. And then we face the judgment. And like I said before, you are not going to be judged. You cannot be judged for the sins of Adam. We explain that as we progress. Is that okay? You can't be judged for the sins of Adam because Jesus took your judgment upon himself. And so you are free from that judgment. So God can't judge you as a son. But he will judge you for the things that you do not do. In other words, he can chastise you. He can judge you. You know what First Corinthians says something? If we judge ourselves, we have no need. And we're going to be condemned with the world. Remember that. Good. If we judge ourselves, how do you judge yourself in the true sense? It's to align with the spirit of Christ. Then you cannot be condemned with the world. So when the world is facing judgment, a child of God is not supposed to face judgment. Are you following that? Praise the living God. But just take this one for tonight. You are not going to die and remain in the grave. Neither are you going to die and become like spirits without bodies. Remember, spirits don't die. They exist. But it must exist in a body. Praise God somebody. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.